And welcome back to Chosen Generation, where no topic is off limits and everything filtered through biblical glasses. Thanks so much for tuning in. I know you have a choice in where you can listen each and every day, and I thank you for keeping it tuned here to Chosen Generation. I'm your host, Pastor Greg. Thanks again. Want to uh, give a shout out to, uh, well, I tell you what, we're going to uh, give a shout out to our Texas affiliate down there. KVNN in Victoria, Texas, 1340 AM and 98.1 FM. Great to have you on board with us as well. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee, WNQM, 1300 AM. Uh, that is, uh, WITA, 1490 AM, Knoxville, Tennessee, WMQM, 1600 AM, Lakeland, Tennessee, including, uh, Memphis. So great to be on board with you folks. KHDD 99.3 FM, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. WOVU 95.9 FM, Cleveland, Ohio. KYH 5.40 AM, Delta, Utah. Also want to welcome our friends on the AMFM247.com network, including Long Beach, California, Boulder, Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the Villages in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, Tampa, Florida, Macon, Georgia, Las Vegas, Nevada, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, let's see, that reminded me uh, of our other good friends in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, want to give a, a quick shout-out to... There we go. KHSJ, 100.1 FM, Las Vegas, Nevada. And let's not forget WENY, 1230 AM, Elmira, New York. Elmira, New York. Uh, welcome to uh, you. Good to have you with us. All right. Well, I'm excited to have my next guest with me. He is uh, the author of a... Uh, well, a brand new book, actually. It's called Texas Hit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. Uh, Daniel Miller is my, and I want to welcome Daniel to the program. Daniel, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's great to have you with me. Uh, so tell me, if you would, uh, thank you. What it was that, uh, well, what, I know from the Obama years that many of us were really seriously thinking, you know, things have gone too far and, uh, it, it's, it's time, it's time to seriously think about the fact that our United States of America, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, have been trampled upon and dismantled, and our system has been denigrated to the point that, uh, you know, looking at the landscape and the possibility of a Hillary Clinton presidency, it didn't look very good. Um, was that the emphasis behind this? Well, you know, I think it's important to understand that, you know, there's this misconception. Let me just start there. There's this misconception. Uh, among the mainstream media, unfortunately, has trickled down into the minds of, of people, not just here in Texas, but around the world, that somehow this idea of Texas leaving the Union came about as a response to the Obama presidency. 
and and nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, I got personally engaged in this uh, this fight for Texas independence back in 1996. So you know, this is this is something, and this sentiment is something that obviously predates uh, having uh, Obama as president and any of the Obama era policies. Uh, let's also, I think, it's important to make a note here that some of the largest Tea Party organization type protests uh, took place in the waning years of the Bush administration. So, you know, this is this idea of Texas independence is not something that is predicated upon uh, Obama being president or even a Democrat being president. Uh, that being said, uh, it, it was important for people to, I think, understand really the totality of this. Uh, the motivations behind it, and, and to help them understand why it is, first off, the Texans want uh, independence, why those numbers have grown over the years, why they continue to grow, uh, even though that Trump is president now, and what the end game eventually looks like for a Texas leaving the union. What are some of the, I guess, reasons why folks here in Texas at this point should consider. I mean, we we were one of the states that President Trump won quite handily. Uh, it certainly appears, well, it appears that a lot of the policies that he's putting in place are policies that we would support here in Texas. Um, obviously, there's still a swamp problem. There's still uh, challenges to our Constitution challenges to our Declaration of Independence, challenges to uh, what our what our nation is. Of course, we have a lot of our own fights right here, as I'm sure you know, Daniel, uh, you know, battling in Austin from the Joe Strauss problem that everybody was saying is done because he's not running, but that's really not the case. Uh, but we still have a blue problem right here in our own, in our own backyard. But talk to me a little bit about that, if you would, if, if I've made that question um, clear enough. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, not a problem at all. Uh, it's a 15 part question. So I'll start. I'll start <laughs> <with the first. laughs> I like you. That's good stuff. I can leave a lot on the plate. Okay. I just like to leave a lot <laughs> on the plate there. You just, you just pick at it as, as you, as you like. <laughs> that, that's not a problem. Look, I like a good buffet as much as the next guy. So there you go. Let me just, let, let, let me just take the first part of that, because I think it's extraordinarily important for people to understand. And, and again, one of the reasons that I wrote the book, uh, you know, the movement and support for Texas independence has still grown even after Trump became president. As a matter of fact, we, we surveyed about 300,000 of our supporters, and you know, we got responses back from about 50,000. You know, enough of a statistical sample to, to give us an idea. And one of the things we found out that less than one and a half percent of those people who previously supported Texas independence no longer supported independence because Trump was president. But we had a full third who indicated that their support for an independent Texas was even stronger after the election. And, and what it really boils down to, I think, is a misconception that people have about really what the, the, pro, the challenges are. You know, the, this idea somehow that the election of a president is going to fix all of these systemic problems. Uh, and, and that's not it. Look, this is not a president problem. This is a federal problem. 
when you talk about, you know, now that, you know, there may be some hope that these, these issues may be fixed, uh, you know, what we look at is we say, look, uh, as of right now, we still have over 180,000 pages of federal laws, rules, and regulations. Literally, if I print them off and stack them, they would be taller than the Washington Monument. Uh, you know, you've got over 440 separate federal agencies. Most of them overlap, and they are so numerous that the federal government cannot count them. And, and we are subjected to 2.5 million unelected federal bureaucrats. And so when people here in Texas come out and, and we pass an amendment that says we define marriage as between a man and a woman, the federal courts overturn that, and it's upheld by the federal bureaucracy. Uh, when, we, when we come out and we say, look, Obamacare is an abomination, here in Texas, well, we get overruled by that federal bureaucracy. So, you know, to, to say that, you know, the support uh, of Texas is somehow predicated upon what Trump is going to do or not going to do, it, it ignores the whole problem. Further to that, you've got this issue that, that essentially, you know, in the minds of these folks who think that Trump is going to fix the problem, uh, they have to assume that Trump will be president forever. <laughs> and that's, that's not the case. So even if you so so even if you fiat and you say, okay, look, Trump's going to fix everything. Well, at some point, his term ends, and mm-hmm. you've got an entire swamp, an entire federal bureaucracy that not only mm-hmm. is fighting him tooth and nail, but are waiting for their opportunity to continue to expand their control over the people. Sure. Oh, Daniel, I I I fully agree. I we, you know I was we've been saying here at Chosen Generation. A, well, two things. A, however the, the election was going to end on, on, in 2016, hopefully it wasn't going to be Hillary Clinton that was going to be in the White House. But even if it was a President Trump, folks, that, that is the beginning of hopefully waking up enough people to realize that we have been running down this rat trail for 100 years. This, this is this is not a brand new issue. This goes all the way back to Wilson. You could even track it back to the late 1800s. So, so you've got a long-term problem, and the progressives have waited a very long time and had waited a long time for people like the Clintons and the Obamas to come in and flip the switch on things that they'd already set up. And we're watching now with this whole nonsense with Comey and, and the phony Russian collusion and all this garbage that's going on. I, I mean, if you can't see the writing on the wall that the, that the swamp doesn't want to be drained and that there is a deep state that we're fighting, we're, we're, we're missing it. So I'm, I'm with you, Daniel. I, I follow what you're saying. So talk to me then in terms of um, how, how Texans benefit from this change, if it were to happen, and I guess really before that, what steps would have to be taken? Why could Texas step out of the union, and what makes that unique to the other 50 states? Yeah, uh, this is something that I actually address in the book, and I do want to get back to the first part of that question, so let's okay. let's pretend in <laughs> that, because I, 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 want, I want to get back to that one, because it's, it's actually important uh, to this conversation, but, but look, here's what it boils down to. Uh, one of the things that I address in the book is I get very specific about 
shattering the, some of the misconceptions and the myths about what the, the federal union is. Uh, you know, I, I have firmly stated on multiple occasions uh, that I think if, if people really understood what the meanings of the words nation, state, and country meant, uh, it would be a revolution overnight. Uh, just simply because people conflate those terms all the time, and words do matter. Uh, but, but the bottom line is this. Uh, Texas does not enjoy a unique right among the 50 states to, to leave the union. I mean, certainly we came in under some odd circumstances. Uh, we were definitely an independent self-governing republic for nine years before our entry into the union. But the, the right to, for a state, any state, to leave the union uh, rests with the people of those states. And, and I'll break it to you down like this. Uh, first and foremost, the Constitution is a limiting document, right? It, it basically says, look, federal government, these are the things that you can do. Specifically, here are the things that states are prevented from doing, and every other power rests in the states and the people in those states. That's the straight-up Tenth Amendment, right? And and so what you have to look at is, is there some sort of constitutional prohibition against a state leaving the union? And, and i got to tell you, after 20 years of doing this, I've scoured that Constitution front to back more times than uh, I can count. And there is no constitutional prohibition against the state leaving the union. So what that means is that power rests from a legal standpoint with the people of the individual states. So you have to look then and say, well, does Texas have a specific prohibition against it? And, and some, you know, some of the opposition would say, well, that's foolish. Why would a state have that prohibition? Well, it's not that foolish because if you look at the constitution of the state of Nevada, Nevada actually has a specific prohibition against them ever leaving the union that they embody in their constitution. So it's not uncommon. So if you look at from a Texas perspective, uh, Article 1, Section 2 of the Texas Constitution, which is our post-Civil War Constitution, says that all political power is inherent in the people. All free governments are founded on their authority and instituted for their benefit. And the people have, at all times, the inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their form of government in such manner as they may think expedient. So not only is there not a constitutional prohibition on the federal side, not only is there not a constitutional prohibition or statutory prohibition on the Texas side, it essentially, right at the very beginning of the document, reserves the right to the people of Texas to decide their political future. Okay. When you're talking, let me, let me, let me shift gears for a minute. When you're talking about numbers, what, what percentage or what, what are the kind of numbers that you're talking about right now of folks that have expressed an interest in a section? Well, look, I'll, I'll give you one better. Uh, beyond beyond a question of interest, okay, we when we look at sort of the trajectory of support for this, uh, one of the things that I like to do is I like to go back and, and point out to this 2009 poll uh, by Research 2000. And in that poll, they asked the question, do you believe that Texas would be better off as the independent nation? And, and what they found was 50% of Republicans, 45% of independents, and 15% of Democrats said, yes, Texas would be better off. But that's sort of a fantasy football kind of question, right? That's not a uh, yeah, it's not a question or a statement of political will. So 
in 2014, right around the time of the Scottish referendum uh, for independence, uh, uh, Reuters conducted a poll, and they asked the question, uh, do you believe that your state should leave the union and become an independent nation? Uh, and the results here in Texas were nothing less than earth-shattering, because at that moment, 54% of Republicans said, absolutely. Half of independents and even 35% of Democrats said, absolutely, Texas should leave the union. So there's been subsequent polling to that. Uh, our organization conducts internal polls all the time on this particular issue. Uh, but more important than that, I mean, that, that obviously shows there's a, a major appetite for Texas to leave the union, especially when you look at the, the real electoral makeup of Texas. You know, when you say 54% of Republicans, that's a pretty weighted total, knowing that Texas is a very heavy Republican state. Uh, but but let, let's just get down to sort of brass tacks, right? As an organization, as, as head of the Texas Nationalist Movement, one of the things that we have done is for years we've gone out and connected with Texans in, in every single place, every single corner of, of Texas to find the people that support Texas independence, where they actually sign a pledge. It's almost, I mean, it's almost indistinguishable from a political affiliation form that the state does. So they, they essentially are pledging their vote. And so when you look at where our stats are right now, we've, we have received over 377,000 pledges of support from Texans all over. Well, if you put that in the context of other political advocacy organizations, that puts, a, you know, per capita of registered voters, that puts us second in Texas, uh, only behind the NRA. Uh, so essentially what, what you're saying here is that you've got, on a per capita basis, a political advocacy organization that has, uh, that, that is effectively one of the largest political advocacy organizations in Texas. Look, the, the TNM is the second largest independence movement in the Western Hemisphere, only second to the PQ in Quebec, and we're one of the largest in the entire world. Uh, the only thing that uh, we have yet to do is carry this thing to a vote and uh, win that referendum for Texas. All right, question. Um, you know, I'm doing a search here. Can Texas really succeed from the union? What comes up under that search is current Supreme Court precedent in Texas versus white holds that states cannot succeed from the union by an act of the state. Um, so, because, uh, you know, the average, look, the average person is going to say, oh, wow, yeah, maybe this will be a really good thing. And then they're going to go and they're going to do a search and they're going to find whatever they're going to find. So in this instance, this is what I'm finding. Um, how, how, how do we respond to that? Uh, well, I, I will tell you, in both books, both uh, this most recent one and Line in the Sand, I took Texas versus White to task. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know any other further ways I can insult that Supreme Court decision <laughs> than I have actually done in print. But, but look, it, it is a concern. You know, it's, it's literally one of those things that, that we have to uh, engage people almost one-on-one. -on -one. I'll give you a great example of this. Uh, here recently, uh, I guess back in, in 2016, when we made the run-up to the Republican State Convention, uh, the Texas Tribune here, I mean, it's one of the larger sort of Texas-centered news sites here in Texas, uh, took, yeah. took that opportunity because we were all over the media for what we were doing at the convention. They took an opportunity to uh, post an article 
that uh, essentially you know, tries to debunk this idea that Texas can leave the union. And invariably what they do is they go grab some, you know, third-rate adjunct professor, uh, you know, from Bug Tussle Community College, and they ask him, and he says, well, the Civil War settled that, or he throws out Texas versus white. Understanding nothing about Texas versus white or understanding anything that's happened since Texas versus white, and suddenly they issue this pronouncement you know, from high on the mountain, like God handing down the Ten Commandments on stone tablets, and we're all expected to believe it. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that when it comes down to this issue of Supreme Court precedent, first and foremost, Texas versus White was a horrendous decision, uh, to the point that even in the day that it was rendered, you had northern politicians wanting to introduce legislation that would have gutted Texas versus White, because they essentially hijacked a political question and put a judicial stamp on it. Uh, Salmon P. Chase, as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court back then, was an absolute joke. But for those that support Texas versus White and, and say that that settled everything, what they have to do is they have to assume that we've had absolutely zero court precedent since Texas versus White, and that somehow when they woke up this morning, it was not 2018, it was still 18, you know, in the 1860s, right? Okay. And so, so what you find is, in, in some cases of Supreme Court, Supreme Court ruling, sometimes you find some direct override or overruling of a previous Supreme Court decision. But a lot of times what you see is you see this incremental chipping away at the various and sundry, um, assertions that were made in the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, a good example of this is uh, Chief Justice Chase made the assertion that the Articles of Confederation were still in force and the Constitution was mainly was merely an amending instrument. And in, do, in making that assertion, he cited that the preamble to the U.S. Constitution uh, essentially said that because the Articles of Confederation referred to itself as a perpetual union, and the preamble to the U.S. Constitution said they were making a more perfect union, uh, mm -hmm. and therefore it made the union indestructible. And what you find is subsequent Supreme Court uh, decisions have said that the preamble is not law. It's commentary. Uh, so it, it can't be – so conclusions of, of fact and law cannot be made based on the contents of the preamble to the Constitution. You know, then you get into the situation where – uh, you know, one of the things that, that really drives progressives nuts when we talk about this is that uh, the United States, uh, there, there was a Supreme Court case, uh, Missouri v. Holland, which essentially said that, uh, that treaties that are executed by the United States federal government uh, are on par, essentially, with constitutional law and are binding on the states. Okay, and it was really about the migratory bird treaty of all odd things. But it made the assertion that the, it, it basically elevated these treaties and said that they were enforceable down to the state level. Well, then you move forward and you see that the United States federal government, against all good judgment, signed the, the United Nations Treaty. Uh, right. but, and they had to agree to uphold those principles that were established in the United Nations Treaty. And one of those was they agreed to uphold the right of self-determination. And, uh, you know, essentially what we're talking about here in Texas with Article 1, Section 2. So not only 
not only can there was there is there no federal statute that prevents a state from leaving, uh, not only is there no constitutional prohibition, but by virtue of the fact of these subsequent decisions and the treaty signing by the United States, if they move against us, they have completely uh, eroded their law and their entire argument. Of course, that one always drives the progressives nuts, and I, so I love to make it as often as possible. <laughs> All right, folks. Texas. Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union by Daniel Miller. It's available uh, at Amazon, correct? Amazon, Barnes & It'll be at all major book retailers starting on San Jacinto Day, April the 21st. Okay, so there you go, folks. Text it, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union by Daniel Miller. Daniel, thanks for being with us today. We'll get you back uh, as, as, uh, as, as we continue to discuss, too. Obviously... Uh, there, there are a lot of folks that are out there that are listening to the program. Uh, I, I hear people all the time saying, man, I want to move to Texas. I want to move to Texas. And, 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 uh, and when I get there, um, you know, may, maybe it's time for us to, uh, you know, get out of Dodge. So, uh, it, it, folks, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's not a, uh, it's, it's not a small abject minority that's talking about these kinds of issues. And when you watch what's happening in our national news and the nonsense that keeps taking place, uh, and, and the deep state, it, it, certainly, certainly something to consider. Appreciate you being here yeah. today. Thank you so much, Pastor Greg. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. And we'll have a, again, get you back on and have more conversation about it. We need to talk to Greg and hear from our sponsors here at Chosen Generation. I'm your host, Pastor Greg. 